The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond, and hello and welcome once more to Beyond, episode 626. I am your host, Max Scoville, filling in for Jonathan Dornbush, who is at some sort of rodent-themed attraction in Anaheim, California. Gross. And I'm joined today... Oh, the rat show? The rat... He's at, the, <laughs> he's at Rat Park. It's a big popular location. Ratland. I'm joined once again by my close personal rat friend, Brian Altano. Thank you. I deserve that. And Janet Garcia. Hey. And Matt Kim. Hi. Thank you guys for uh, for coming by and, and filling in. Uh, Lucy is in a small island in the Pacific known as Nusa Nusa Island. Nusa News Island. She's on News Island, yeah. so that's good stuff. Uh, we have, as we're prone to, a whole bunch of news that dropped very suddenly the second that Jonathan left the building, uh, which is always a big pain in our ass. But first, let's talk about comments. We got some fun comments uh, talking about sort of uh, predictions and whatnot, and. Um, the predictions, uh, was it last week's topics? We talked about like PlayStation 5 exclusives at launch uh, and sort of multi-platform and, and sort of our big pie-in-the-sky predictions on that front. Uh, Grant Forever Gamer on YouTube said, PS5 exclusive at launch being the Blue Point game. What do you guys think about that? I'm completely into it. Yes. Anything is possible. Let's start with some high-def 8K no, comfort likely. food. Demon yeah. Souls PS5, give it to me. Ooh. I want it. You think so? Yeah, well, I don't know. That's like the big rumor, right? But that's like the big wish list rumor, you know? I feel like we all have our own special like wish list thing yeah. that we want to... Like we really want it to be that thing, and there's gonna Bloodborne. be like there's gonna be a select group that's very happy, and then a whole bunch of people who are like, "But I wanted Metal Gear," you know? <laughs> yeah. So Bloodborne. this is a good way to just be like, "It's the Blue Point game, what whatever it is." Bloodborne. Okay. Yeah. Just check. First time saying game. this. On the why show would this they? Week. Why would they remaster a game that's already super mastered? Because it's real. It's scruffy. not super mastered. It never got a pro patch. It's got problems. <laughs> it's it's finicky. Okay. All, some of the the wolves could look a little more hairier. Okay. I think it'd be great. It's a lot if, of work to be done. Like you can't pause that game, and that's probably why there's no there's no photo mode. But mm. what if they made it so there was photo mode, but the enemies were still like walking around <laughs> doing stuff? So you'd be like posing for a, a beautiful like scenic selfie, and then just like a wolf would come up and bite you. Just like, real life wildlife photography is yeah, yeah, is dangerous. Yeah. So. I like that. Yeah, mm. let's do it. It's a it's a photo mode with a challenge. Okay. Uh, also, prediction was a uh, multi platform game, Assassin's Creed, rumored to be called Ragnarok. Yeah, I can see it. Uh, final PS4 exclusive, The Last of Us Part 2 expansion, like the Left Behind expansion from Part 1, but also like the Uncharted Lost Legacy, where it's too big to be a small expansion, so they release it as a standalone game, but it's released after the PS5 launch for both PS4 and PS5. Oh, interesting. I, I want to look at the timing on Last of Us to Left Behind and see if that if that clocks, because that, mm. be, that could be interesting. Just so when people are done with the, with the Last of Us, they can go play Left Behind. Left Behind never come out for PS3? 
did it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah. No, all of that to get was together when they. Oh, the, okay. The full game. Okay. I was confused. I was. I mm-hmm. thought the comment was saying that Left Behind was like an exclusive to the PS4 version of The Last of Us. Now I was confused. But that's oh, uh, that would piss a lot of people off yes. if they made a Left Behind for The Last of Us Two and it was platform exclusive yeah, to a next gen yeah, yeah. console. No, that won't happen. That would annoy people. Yeah. I get the feeling by the just the the length of that game, the way they're kind of hyping it up, it's gonna try to be sort of all-encompassing yeah they might have dlc their longest game ever i I think also with the whole like multiplayer thing and and kind of saying we're saving that kind of idea for a different project makes me think that they wouldn't just keep building on top of this right yeah no i think they're left behind is the standalone multiplayer thing that'll come out eventually left behind is getting left behind some would say Ooh, there it is uh new music plus said launch price 449 usd exclusive launch titles new horizon game maybe a new ratchet and clank those are safe bets you can see it. I'm feeling good about maybe getting a new Guerrilla Games thing. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I would accept 449 USD because like I'm really that. worried it's going to be 499. 449 would be, I would be okay with that. It would I be could, nice. I, I think it's probably going to be 499. That's though. what I think too. Yeah. That's why I want the lower one. I don't want to pay that money. I don't want to do that. What I feel like that's the part where you we get we all get so excited, and then it's like, oh right, you <laughs> like, have to buy it. I'm already trying to save for it, and I have this app that like automatically calculates the math, and I'm like. Wait, what do I have to start paying every month? Oh, I'm can't, I can't do it this month. But we're next month though. I'm it's, gonna start saving. For it's it. dumb as hell that I get sticker shock over stuff like that, and then I'll I'll put like fifty bucks on like my Metro card or whatever, and yeah. like take the bus mm-hmm. or know? buy lunch, and it's a hundred dollars. Yeah, well, it beats that bus ticket though, right? Babe? Yeah, I'm not trying to get another bus ticket <laughs> out of here. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Life hackers don't pay the ticket. <laughs> Run from the police. Uh, <laughs> multi-platform, new unannounced Assassin's Creed reboot and a new engine. That'd be nice. Mm-hmm. Be cool. I'd like it if they just completely ditched the whole, like, all the assassins trappings. You could still stab people in the neck, but they're just like, it's a history adventure. Just mm-hmm. do feudal Japan. That's all we want. That's all everyone's been asking for. Are we going to get that, though, they're... alongside Ghost of Tsushima, though? Yeah, yeah that's... A... No, I mean, like, that franchise has been... It's They've been due to do that for, like... I think they did a comic on it. Yeah. That's, like, the closest they got. They So, they like, so apparently, they do, like, surveys, right? They send out user surveys to, mm-hmm. like, Ubisoft Plus members or whatever they're called, and then... Um, uh, they like they tally it up, and like the most popular top three settings is always like World War II, Japan, mm-hmm. and, and I think Egypt. And so they did Egypt. Yeah, right? it's like when Leonard Skinner puts up that poll. It's like, what song do you want us to play? And everyone's yeah. always like Freebird, and they're like, we don't want to play Freebird. <laughs> yeah. I'm tired. Uh, let's see. Also predicting a uh, new exclusive IP, a fantasy adventure RPG, Breath of the Wild, like mm, Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, that's no. kind of yeah. yeah. We sort of already have that a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. It'd be cool if it was new though. Like yeah. not like something like a different IP. But. I mean, gods, gods, gods and monsters or whatever that. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. I'm very excited to see exactly how shamelessly that rips off Breath of the Wild. Totally with you. Yeah, yeah. I have a feeling it will. Or if it's, I mean, the, the weird thing we realize is that Ubisoft has this sort of proven formula for open world games that mm-hmm. we all we all complain about it, we gripe about it, we point out all the similarities, but it's, we do like to climb those towers and unlock the areas and then go do the outposts. Excuse like, me. I feel like I love to do that. There we go. <laughs> I feel like the. The general, like, if depending on how you clip out, like, the gameplay of Gods and Monsters, it looks totally like Breath of the Wild with, like, there's these big open areas and a couple monsters and you have, like, these abilities. And I think that loop is very samey. But what I'm curious about with Gods and Monsters, and um, I didn't, I, we have, like, a preview up from E3 about it. Um, I think that was a hands-off one, though. So it was just based on the stuff I also saw. I'm wondering what, like, the big thread pulling it through is going to be because i think if that's distinctive enough sure people will make comparisons but it'll still have its own identity and with breath of the wild you had you know you had the shrines you had the um the beasts or what are they called exactly what 
what are they? Big mythical dungeons. The, yeah, they're like, well. <laughs> the, the Megazords. The dungeons that weren't dungeons. Divine Beasts. Divine Beasts, thank you. Okay. Um, the Foul Boys. Yes. Um, I'm like, those big things, you know, y'all, you go inside of it, there's like a maze. Puzzle um, Gundams. Yes. <laughs> puzzle Gundams is good. Animal so like, Houses. What, what is going to be their version of the Puzzle Gundam? Is it just another Puzzle Gundam or is it something else? What a, uh, a I don't know. Point. We'll see. Okay, quick question. Uh, also, Gotham, someone make that game. Gotham that Monsters. Cool. It also has like a Greek mythology setting, right? Yeah. I think, yeah. I think it's going to be Baby's First Assassin's Creed. It's so weird, right? Because it's like Odyssey was Greek mm-hmm. mythology. This is Greek mythology, but also a little more like uh, like Breath of the Wild. So wouldn't yeah. people just say that's like Assassin's Creed modded to look like Zelda? It's like, like this weird mashup of a lot of things. So I think it is going to be challenging for this game to form its own identity, yeah. even if it's not like a bad game, but like what's really drawing you in when you have all these other offerings that do these things i feel like we don't get a lot of massive triple a games from i mean you get like you know skylanders and mobile games and stuff and then nintendo games but we don't get a lot of triple a all ages games yeah and it's kind of weird because ubisoft has this formula down but we aside from uh that spaceship game what's it called oh Oops. right exactly Space that's why it's West. on clearance that one starling battle yeah for starling atlas. battle yeah. for atlas how can i fire today yeah uh thank you my thank brain you fell out my ears <laughs> earlier but no uh like that is like that was basically their whole formula of open world without posts and everything but it was like it was the first one it was like oh this isn't this doesn't have like throat stabbing or like yeah. right. subversive conflict at the hor- at the core of it you know it doesn't have f bombs watch there's out a, best family game got some competition there's yeah. actually a post credit scene where uh slippy slits falco's <laughs> neck yeah oh that's the, the yeah. spaceship just takes its pants off <laughs> <laughs> it's got like completely realistic human genitals See, you're that no you're that person that used to write in fake cheats to like like sam claiborne used to run like the cheats email at ign for guides and like the number one most submitted one was like how to get nude master chief but it wasn't true <laughs> you could never get nude master chief mm. but like sam had to try for for work for work purposes that's horrible that's yeah funny. that's so you were that guy i Damn love right. that I love that. Just like <laughs> crank calling. That's like crank calling Sam Claiborne. I'm into it. Um, we got a very nice comment from doing stuff in suits. Weird username, but okay. I always watch this before work or before bed. It helps chill out my anxiety about my cancer situation or about work. Y'all just help me get out of my head. Excited to experience another new year with you guys and gal. That's still very, accurate. yeah, very yeah. nice. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah thank you for this thing. After yeah. cancer. Yeah. Fight that. Very, after. very bad. So yeah, hopefully like us rambling about, Gods and Monsters helps you deal with your own monsters. Um, on that note, uh, the big huge news this week. Are we going to do the news? Oh, wait. I have to do this stupid thing. Hold on. Wait. Wait. Hold on. Wait. So, Is the sound effect? Yeah. There's like a th- there's like two of them. There's like a new... I think this one has like the weird ASMR guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is a juicy apple. Goodness. Crush. <laughs> that's, not, that's Ryan Clements. That's not an ASMR guy. How do we know he's not an ASMR guy? He could be. He has a great voice, voice for it. Ryan, okay. if you're listening to the show, um, you yeah. should do some AS- ASMR. Yeah, leave us a really breathy voicemail. And let <laughs> us know whether or not you're doing ASMR. You should do a JASMRPG. Wow. Mm. Anyway, uh, the big huge news this week is the fact that Sony is, in fact, skipping E3. We have a big, huge discussion featuring the ghost of Jonathan Dornbush, pre-recorded in advance of the news dropping itself. Jonathan, take it away. This episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. 
The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, let's hear them talk about it. Shows that are so bad they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing, I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Live from in the past, we're coming to you in the middle of this Beyond episode. Uh, I won't be here when you guys are recording the full episode, but we are just jumping into the studio. My name is Jonathan Dorbush with Brian Altano and Max Scoville. Hey, hey. Talking in the middle of the Beyond episode about the fact that we just got some breaking news here that Sony has officially confirmed after some rumors and speculation they will not be at E3 2020. Uh, This is the second year in a row Sony will not be there in any capacity. They are skipping the show entirely. They did this in E3 2019 and opted to do a bunch of state of plays instead host smaller events things like that uh we got a full statement from sony so i thought i'd kick off this segment by reading their full reasoning for why they're skipping the show and a sony spokesperson gave ign this quote quote after thorough evaluation sie sony interactive entertainment has decided not to participate in e3 2020 we have great respect for the esa as an organization but we do not feel the vision of e3 2020 is the right venue for what we are focused on this year We will build upon our global event strategy in 2020 by participating in hundreds of consumer events across the globe. Our focus is on making sure fans feel part of the PlayStation family and have access to to play their favorite content. We have a fantastic lineup of titles coming to PlayStation 4, and with the upcoming launch of PlayStation 5, we are truly looking forward to a year of celebration with our fans, end quote. 
So there is a lot to unpack in the statement, I think, including a not-so-subtle dig at E3, uh, which we can get into a little bit, but I want to start off with the PlayStation of it all and ask just the general question, do you think this is a good move? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that E3, in a lot of ways, is like college textbooks, where it's a really expensive thing that at one point in time was the only way to do something, (laughs) but since then it's like, why isn't this online? Why isn't this streaming? Uh, I mean, the whole idea with E3 was this was originally there was the best way of getting information out to uh, about upcoming video games and video game, you know, uh, consoles. And since then, like we have Twitch, we're like we're putting out videos on the Internet now. It's everything is kind of instantaneous. But uh, the ESA still charges floor space and booth space like it's 1996, basically. Yeah. Uh, and on top of that, they kind of just sort of flipped the switch and we're like, oh, this is a fan event, too. And which is great for people who want to go to E3. But there are more fun shows that are actually built from the ground up like Gamescom or I mean Comic-Con or PSX or P- or PAX yeah like to uh like to let people actually get hands on and not piss off people who are exhibiting Working. at the same time yeah. yeah yeah so uh yeah no I think this is this is totally fine and Sony's demonstrated that they not only can do a uh you know streaming info dump with uh with <laughs> State of Play place, or yeah. uh have a convention with PSX so yeah. it's like I think they can do this on their own. Yeah, for sure, Brian. What yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a sound business move for them. I think it's it, exactly the thing that they should be doing. I think it also sucks. Like, I think that yeah. I think that like there was something noticeably missing. We we all watched E three, and some of us attended and covered E three in the same way we always have. And um, there's a big part of that missing. And I, I selfishly, as a fan of video games, I loved having all of that sort of compartmentalized into one space. Uh, it made a ton of sense to sort of just celebrate the entire industry at the same time in a three, four day window. That said, I completely understand it. Uh, to me, this says that they'll never be at E3 again. Yeah. Cause I, that's I think two, it's gone. Yeah. I think it's yeah. gone. I think it's two years in a row. They didn't show up. They don't need to maybe never again is a big statement. Cause they're, th- this is something that you can only do when you're number one. Yes. Yeah. You can't do this when you're number three or probably even two. They're gone until they need it again. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. And right now they don't need it. Uh, and I think by the time they do need it, it will be beyond recognition. No beyond. pun intended, uh, to, to what we remember it to be for so many years. I mean, walking around the show for last year was desolate. It was mostly a ghost town, especially and, West hall where PlayStation yeah. has been. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it, we, I, I, I went on a rant on the show, same, echoing what Max just said about how like it, it has died down as an industry event and it hasn't ramped up to justify the ticket prices to be a fan event. Yeah. And so it is simultaneously this Jack of all trades, master of none. And thus, uh, I, I don't really feel it like it's the celebration <laughs> of games anymore. So sep- selfishly, yes, I want it to be the way it always was knowing that it won't be, it makes perfect sense for them to bail. Yeah. It's, it's oh, sorry. Go ahead. I think it's a bummer that they're not announcing something to go with this. In like Microsoft is presumably still doing their sort of, uh, parking lot challenge. Yeah. The, yeah. the thing. And then EA has got their whole EA, Park, other parking lot. I don't know. Like, <laughs> well, so Microsoft, they have their off-site things. Microsoft yeah. is interesting because they are officially still part of E3, but they now hold all of their demos and stuff in the Microsoft Theater, which used to be the Nokia Theater next door because they now own that space. So yeah. that, to me, and on the floor instead, they had Mixer as part of the yeah. E3 show floor. So to me, it feels like they're in a half step. It's like, kind of a bummer that Sony doesn't have any pre- presence whatsoever. Yeah. Like, I wish that they were doing that. But, I mean, clearly they, you know, Microsoft also 
doesn't hasn't thrown conventions. Yeah. Uh, well, well. So we did talk about this last year in terms of uh, Sony lacking a presence at E3. Then they still did, and they didn't have to pay for it because you look at something like FF Seven Remake, which was one of the biggest games at E3 last year and is a PS4 exclusive for its first year. Sony didn't have to do anything at the show to promote that game to own that real estate. Yeah. Marvel's Avengers is getting a PS4 beta, and that was revealed during that same showcase at Square Enix. It's PS4 first beta. Yeah, they live in your head rent free, as they exactly. Say, right? Yeah. They also. I mean. They, God, I totally just brain farted this Monday afternoon. No, you're good. Where's my thoughts? I'll keep going while you're thinking about it. Um, to me, Max, you had mentioned the the floor space thing. We've we've heard scuttlebutt, like nothing confirmed on the record in terms of the price per square inch of stuff for the E3 show floor. But we've heard that people are like, hey, it's really expensive now to show at this convention. And to me, it makes sense that Sony wouldn't want to put that money into a show that benefits everyone's bottom line like as selfish as it is sony is there to make money for the playstation uh audience and for their community i, I believe last year maybe was it even the year before ign didn't have a booth yeah last show. year we didn't for the first time have a show for it's stupidly expensive yeah it is like, it's not it's not just expensive to rent the space but everything that happens in that booth has to be rented from yeah. so all the construction the ladders everything the steps anything the stages anything you build there yeah. is essentially proprietary turns yeah. out that it's AAA, like a vita memory card triple a video game publishers also don't want to play microtransactions <laughs> yeah well and the thing is even if sony spends i was having this discussion with ryan mccaffrey even if sony wants to spend the exact same amount of money if not more to fund all these other smaller events and they spend uh, spread it out throughout a year or to do their own events they're doing it in service of just them right which to me is like as a business choice makes a lot of sense i mean the thing is this is i remember last year people were like oh so does microsoft win e3 by default and it's like i guess but what does that even mean anymore yeah you know like mm-hmm. that that when there's when there's no one left it's a it's a it's a two-horse race it's all, all three of the console makers are playing different games right now with yeah e3. Like, Nintendo is not, from what we know, not announcing new hardware. Maybe they are, but it'll be a revised version of their current hardware, which is selling well. Microsoft has has to prove to an entire generation, new generation that you should buy their box on day one this fall. And Sony doesn't. I mean, they do, obviously. They have that fight to fight, but like they're, they're, they're in, they have such momentum going into this that it's not necessary for them to even be there. Like so, it's, it's bizarre. So the thing I was going to say before my brain fell apart was this is uh, – <laughs> I remember last year we were kind of speculating like, oh, maybe Sony's just saving up for next year when they're going to have a big, huge thing on display. But at the same time, it's kind of like – I don't know. It's kind of weird to just pull out entirely. Um, this is the first time they've announced a PlayStation without E3 along with it. Yeah. Like they announced the PlayStation 1 at E3 yeah. 1. Uh, so the, this is- the PS4 reveal event was in February beforehand, but then with a big showcase at E3 for why mm-hmm. you want the yeah. system. Yeah, it's um, and, and I was talking with a few people about this. That first E3 really set the momentum for this generation because that's the E3 where Sony had the this is how you share games on PlayStation. And that was that's a thing we still talk about as a defining moment of this generation. Like, yeah, that is. It is weird that we're not going to have this back and forth, like heavyweight single match at E3 of Xbox and PlayStation going up against each other. Well, I've said I've said this before, and I think I think State of Play is a fantastic vehicle for announcements and news, and I think that uh, doing PSXs is is also a great way to connect with people on a more granular level and, and talk to people face to face, get fans together. I will always miss the way something like God of War was revealed with an orchestra on a stage. Yeah. I do think there's something to that. There's and, a pomp and circumstance. Yes. That's yeah. Great. yeah. And I think with that comes this, you know, gi- gigantic sort of like 
cavalcade of errors and <laughs> screw ups and technical glitches and people starting games that there's you know, Nathan Drake falling through the environment yeah. and yeah. geometry and uncharted right there's there's a this please be excited there's like things that just giant bl- enemy crabs yeah, yeah exactly there's all those things there's and like it- memes and there's things that break and there's like all this stuff that like and uh, all of that goes away assuming they don't do any stage show of any kind yeah but it's it's you can do a stage show like that when everyone's there yeah for something else you can't just do that you can't just be like hey guys we're renting out a theater in aspen (laughs) (laughs) it would have to be part of another psx which they could do they haven't said they're out ruling out any sort of revival of that it's true but yeah you're right it's something like that or for me the biggest thing was probably psx i think it might have been the last one where they did they opened with uncharted the lost legacy and we had no idea what that was until the very end and then closed with the last of us part two yeah and you you don't get the groundswell room excitement yeah that you do in a moment like that yeah but i i see them viewing the trade-off balance of okay we don't get that single day excitement but state of play let us rule four different weeks of the year with our news even the week before e3 was dominated with state of play news because that was a final fantasy 7 remake reveal no totally that I mean, was monster hunter world iceborne release date like they did a lot in yeah small we get day. excited about that and that's that's fun but that's also something that's so firmly rooted in like marketing yes yeah, yeah. And it's it's building this hype but with these stakes that don't make sense because yeah. like at the end of the day, the, it's it's to sell video games. But if there's anything that can go wrong that makes the video games look bad, like Nathan Drake falling through the world or just the game crashing, it's like, is that worth it? Yeah, is no. that worth the trouble? They can yeah. perfectly control all of this now. Like they don't. Yeah. they don't reveal video game or uh, movie trailers live. Like they don't have the actors come out and like act out a scene before the special effects are ready to go. You know, no. Yeah. The thing is, like we, I, I miss. I'll always miss that sort of like zeitgeisty in the moment of the audience going nuts seeing a game for the first time. But as a huge Nintendo fan, uh, they replaced Nintendo Directs, and someone. Every single time sets up a camera inside the Nintendo World Store, which Sony doesn't have. They do have a Sony store in New York. So that'd be a good place. They are doing a Sony event. We saw a story about this recently. They are doing a Sony PlayStation experience in the store from now until mid-February. Right. To show off the PS4. Those those sort of reaction videos have just replaced that crowd thing. And you get the same exact result, but with a controlled piece of marketing that you put out. I like that, like, Nintendo World Store is, like, there's a bunch of, like, toys and stuff. Like, it's a toy store. It's all Nintendo. Anybody in there, like, loves Nintendo. You can go to the Sony store, like, buying a Bluetooth speaker and there's yep. like a bunch of people losing their losing so, their mind for like a crash bandicoot. This downer. is a total tangent. A I, my dad used to work across the street from the Sony store. So whenever it was like the summer and I'd go in for a day to this New York City with him, I'd go over there and on one side it was like, play these new exciting games on the PS3 and there's a Starbucks there and I can get a cool Frappuccino while I play. But also on the other side, you can go watch Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon on a <laughs> massive TV. And I'm like, Have you considered okay. a Vio Microbook? Yep. Yeah. It was like, uh, okay, I don't really want a laptop. I just want to keep playing Guitar Hero, but I'll do this. So yeah, I will see if they turn that. Uh, they do have another Sony venue in New York that they use. They might start to do stuff there more frequently. We'll see. We've also kind of shifted a bit to being more Europe Europe centric. Yeah. And there's yeah. there's Gamescom, which is massive, and there's Paris Games Week, which they've had a big presence at before. Yeah. I, I so, still and it I sounds mean, like they want to spread things out. They're going to be at Taipei Game Show mm-hmm. in a couple weeks. We we keep sort of like very much alluding to the fact that a lot of this stems from the from the idea that the ESA is maybe a little prickly and maybe the show has gotten sort of out of control expensive but the last E3 press conference we got from Sony was kind of a messy one and yeah. i think that maybe that made maybe broke them for a bit and made them go back to the drawing board on everything yeah. like 
we were talking about the God of War thing. Like all, our favorite moments were not from that one. No, that you know? 2018, 2018 show, which is where they showed. Which has some cool stuff. It has great stuff in it, but it was like, here's all of us in a church listening to the Last of Us score. Quick break to this other place where they're showing a Resident Evil 2 trailer. Yep. Now we have Sid Schumann over there on another stage talking about uh, God of War New Game Plus. Mm-hmm. Okay, back inside to another location. It was a very weird, stilted experience that they yes. tried. Yeah. And I do agree with you. I think that really turned them off the idea of like, okay, we need to readjust what we're doing right totally, now. Totally, totally. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I imagine the amount of moving parts and planning something like that took. I've heard from like insiders and friends that work at big publishers that E3 press conference planning and rehearsals take place months and months before yeah. the show. Like the, the writing and this and the scoping yeah, I mean, and also the amount of like moving parts and something like that where a, a game at the last second will be like, ooh, we're not ready. We we write the E3 and Comic-Con live show for yeah. IGN and it's like, it is nerve-wracking and it is a lot of planning and inevitably 15 different things go wrong every 20 minutes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and that's without an audience on hand and yeah. without like the scale of that or without people from all over the world coming in to like work on it. And, and no, so and just, we don't have like exclusive world reveal. No, or whatever. We're, we're like a dog and pony show by comparison. Yeah. <laughs> like they're but, like, we'll have corpses hanging from the ceiling and then we're going to have the entire crowd walk to the next theater <laughs> through a, a bunch of bamboo forest. You're like, yep. what? Now what? Sony can control it though. They can yeah. make sure nothing weird happens like that ever again unless they want it to. And so the thing but. is when they pulled out of E3 last year, we were all bummed, but that was also because it coincided with them pulling like ending essentially sunsetting or sidelining PSX yes. for a while. And so all of their sort of direct connection with a like some sort of actual living breathing audience was gone in the same year. And we got the state of plays which is a great sort of like replacement. Um, but we didn't, we didn't really have anything that was sort of just like, here's an event. Yeah. And there's no humanity to Sony right now. Like no disrespect to all the people working there, of course, but in the same way that Microsoft can bring out Phil Spencer and instantly the Xbox audience knows him or, I mean, there's countless executives at Nintendo, but Doug Bowser now and Bill Trin and so many other people, especially with Treehouse. They still have Miyamoto kicking around. He still pops up every now and then. It was like, I went fishing. Here is a new fitness game. Yep. And, um, (laughs) this Sony statement mentions, uh, our focus is on making sure fans feel part of the PlayStation family and have access to play their favorite content. I would hope that means a bit of a more face-to-face relationship. Obviously, Herman Holst is now the head of Worldwide Studios. Shuhei has taken a different position when it comes to indies, and he's, that's his focus for now. And we don't have Sean Layden anymore, who wasn't... He, obviously, he was the head of Worldwide Studios, but he didn't really have this persona for the, yeah. he, for the uh, PlayStation audience. Excuse me, He would come out maybe twice a year. And yeah, and I think what's crazy about all of that is I think that they they will once again someday kind of like bring that back up, right? Yeah. And I or maybe not because it's like maybe that's not necessary anymore. Yeah, maybe I don't you don't. I think it distracts. Yeah, yeah maybe so. you don't need like sort of like you know no pun like just sort of like a celebrity figurehead or something. Yeah. I don't know if that's even a necessary tool. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, we went from like a man in a bandicoot costume to like a pretend businessman with Kevin Butler to like actual businessmen who'd come out and now it's like maybe their job should be to do the business stuff than to come out and you know show stuff i don't know it's yeah it's like no it it is odd that people who are in very like executive high level roles also have to in this field be a persona and be yeah. out there that is a very unique thing yeah to, yeah i mean uh no matter what like you need there's somebody needs to come out at the game awards and yeah. accept something for something eventually yep. right and a lot of times it's it's people who are behind the scenes making art all year and music and 
an as animation, a, and and they and they're like, thanks, you know. As like, opposed to, I mean, like if a Warner Brothers movies win a movie wins at the Oscars, the president of Warner Brothers doesn't come out on stage, right? Whereas like Phil Spencer would probably come out on stage for an Xbox yeah. win. For You'll get a director and actor who's used to working in front of a, a big room of, full of people on anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, um, yeah. No, it's really interesting. I think one thing I wanted to say was I think this makes the um, sort of uh, kind of cat and mouse game of chicken with xbox all the more fascinating this yeah. year in terms of who says what and when um when we'll get pricing announcements on on next gen console stuff is now totally up in the air yeah and and i do want to get to some thoughts about when the timing of that will be i did want to ask one other sort of sony e3 thing before we jump ship to another topic but uh in terms of what e3 has represented for a lot of people it has been here is when the mainstream pays attention to games. That is often a big selling point we talk about. It's like the USA Today is in the times of the world. Look at games for this week. And we, we've said that a bunch in the office. Like people say that offhandedly. And I was thinking about that a lot. I, I wrote a piece on IGN about this. I don't think that's true anymore. And yeah. you especially see that with the way PlayStation has rolled out PS5 news. The first major beats of news were from Wired Magazine, not mm-hmm. from PlayStation. I, but what do you guys think about you know the need for the mainstream to be at E3? I think Sony, if they want them, can just go to them. I think that point. we are no longer sort of like a hobby enthusiast corner show, you know, just like a bunch of people kind of being like, pay attention to us. Yeah. Like it's, I think... It, there's a lot of work to be done and a lot of strides to make, but I think that in a lot of ways we sort of punch through that layer and we're somewhere now where we don't, A, don't necessarily need mainstream to pay attention to us, but B, they'll, they'll look either way because it's going to happen and there's yeah. going to be announcements all year long. I mean, the other thing is that uh, E3 is very much structured to be like, hey, it's June, here's stuff that's coming out in November through December. Yeah. Like, and it's that doesn't exist anymore. Like yeah. games come out year round. It's a nonstop kind of just factories a conveyor belt kind of yeah. thing yeah other than uh, july every yeah, month of yeah, the year seems yeah. to and be i mean you can take out commercials during the oscars and the super bowl, super bowl yeah. and all these other tentpole events that happen the world series the nba finals yeah we say that happen a lot actually yeah it's weird because like as like star wars fans were max and i was grumbling that we have to like look at like some football game once a year and be like, you're making me watch football so I get the new Star Wars trailer. But like it happens, right? Yeah. I I think we talked about this a few weeks back with The Last of Us, but like that's obviously one of PlayStation's biggest games. There will probably be a spot for that in the Super Bowl or a championship game. That'll be the first time a Last of Us fan probably hears about The Last of Us Part Two, just because of the way they're tuned into the industry. Yeah. So yeah, you can reach people in a lot of different ways now and it doesn't have to be at E3. Yeah. I Um, mean, you have a hundred plus million PS4s out there. You can start there. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, put it on the put it dashboard. on there. I mean, yeah. going back to the sort of the textbook comparison, like the way that spreading information was in 1995, like things were a lot slower. Yeah. And now it's like, I don't know, I was looking at Reddit on my phone the other day and I was like, this is how people used to read magazines kind of, you know, like <laughs> yeah. you're sort of bored yeah. eating a salad and you pick up a thing and you're like, I will read this. But the difference is it's just constantly updating and constantly changing. And, yeah. you know, there's that kind of viral stuff where somebody sees something that makes them think of someone else and they're like share this with that person yep. like people will just actively send each other clippings <laughs> yeah. instantly so it, it's crazy how it's much kind of dumb to rent floor space and pay th- you know thousands of dollars for a carpet yeah that it, you're going to use for a week so it's it's definitely a sort of outdated way at approaching delivering this information uh and before we get to the playstation and xbox question of it all i do want to talk briefly about what this means for E3, because very pointedly in that statement, uh, the PlayStation statement says, we have great respect for the ESA as an organization, but we do not feel the vision of E3 2020 is the right venue for what we are focused on this year. They're focused on 
two major first party games coming out before the end of the summer with Ghost and The Last of Us Part Two plus Dreams and MLB, and then the PS5. Yep. And this has been a show traditionally where you do show new consoles. So if that's not fitting with what E3 is to one of the console makers, feels to me like E3 is in a bit of a weird spot. Yeah. No, E3 is in a bad spot. Yeah. It's in a, attendance is down. Uh, there's no, I, I would argue, and, and if you're listening to this and you're thinking of paying the ticket to go to E3 as a fan, there, I don't think there's any justifiable reason to do that just yet. If the ESA over the next few months really ramps up and explains to you why you sh- should spend that money and you should travel, then by all means go. But I think that ultimately anybody who went last year saw a shell version of what that show used to be and they had to pay to see it. And I think that's d- disproportionately unfair to the audience and to yeah. the fans. And I think that the audience has now been saddled with the sort of like bankroll to justify the existence of the show and to make up for the fact that all these publishers are being pulled out and the audience has not been given a, a, a reward or any sort of entertainment value to justify that existence. You're going to pay a ton of money for a show that is shrinking and you are going to see energy booth, like energy drink booths and <laughs> yeah. there's going to be like the Trojan condom zone. And there were so many couches and yeah, open air areas. It is halls. just completely yeah, like, like Max said, go to a PAX, go to a Star Wars celebration, go to Minecon, go to something that, that is like focused on something you love. Um, go to a, a, a local meetup for people in your subreddit. Like you will save so much more money. This is not the show that it used to be. I don't care if I'm going to get in trouble for saying that. I mean, no, it isn't. And also save the $200 for the ticket, let alone airfare yeah. and everything, and put it toward a PS5. Yeah, go seriously. play that game. Because- Instead of sending some dumb-ass hotel in downtown LA. <laughs> like just, yeah. just don't, unless they go... You, this is why you need to be here this year. We're, we're, doing, we're giving you this for free. We're giving you this for free. Every single booth has this, this, and this. Like To really make this a fan event. Yeah. But until then, you're paying money to watch schmucks like us <laughs> write articles and talk to people that you won't be able to talk to. It's not fair for you. Don't go. I'm probably going to get in trouble for that. I don't care. Why would you get in trouble for that? I don't know. It's just, mm. We have to work with those guys. No, I don't know. It's, it, we didn't even do it on the show floor last year either. Yeah. I wrote all off-site. It's yeah. true. No, I mean, E3 is like clearly like having a hard time keeping up its end of being a cutting-edge trade show for an emergent medium, and it's also not doing a great job of adapting to being a fan event. So, yes. like, what's the, I don't know, what's the moral of that story? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, like, I don't know how much time they have to adapt either. I would have said this would be the year to adapt, and I think the Gamescom model of a couple days for press and then open up to fans. <laughs> Gamescom has a skate park. Yeah. Gamescom has like a whole like Copacabana tiki bar area. Gamescom is bonkers. I've been to that show four times now, and there are parts of it that I, that I still haven't found or seen. It's like it 17 is, airport hangers. Yeah, it, 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 seriously, it yeah. never ends. It yeah. is so. It is the, the largest. They had like, an old-timey gangster saloon for cosplayers. There was an We got an X-Wing this yeah. year. Or last year. Gamescom <laughs> is wild, and yeah. that's yeah. entirely made for fans. Like, yeah. It's made for, this is for gamers. This is it's for also, people to come it's, to. It's scaled so that there aren't like two kiosks for every new game. There's 60 for the most part. There's yeah. a, like Panzer Dragoon had one. But I mean, what do you expect? It's Panzer Dragoon. It's the old game. We're going to get a lot of hate mail about that. But very specifically. Uh, yeah, very specifically for just that. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it was seeing that on the E3 show last year. It was so strange because I think some people like... Epic and Fortnite took the right approach. They put a bunch of games out for people to play, not just Fortnite, but like here's a giant obstacle course that you have to get through. Like in terms of being a fan show, they did that right. Were most of us stopping by the Fortnite booth to check out the latest news? No, we could go download the game and see it ourselves if we needed to do that. So yeah, yeah it's 
they need to ad- adapt quickly, I think, to being a fan event, and that's okay to be a fan event. I don't have any issue with them transforming yeah. into that, but no, I think they be, need to the transform quickly. Be the world's largest video game fan of, or the world's second largest <laughs> video game. America's one or two or three top largest, five. top five largest It'll video game fan. Yeah, it, it is a very weird time for E3, and I, this doesn't spill anything good to me of no. that at all. But no. I don't think this move hurts Sony. No, well, not at all. What hurts them is whether or not they can keep the momentum going in this next year with the, like whatever they have to show with the PS5 matters, but where they show it, I don't think matters as much right now. I, I don't think that this is uh, for the kind of uh, a lack of of ideas and 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 novelties and presentations that they have yeah. to bring forth. This I, is not because of that. I specifically like it because I think one of the worst things about being a Sony fan these past few years was there was that long stretch where we were waiting for all the games that got revealed in yeah. twenty. 16? 16? Yeah, whatever. I think the, it was 16. the one where all the cool stuff happened. Yeah. And then we we're just waiting around for that. And then now we're in this wonderful spot where, like, well, Death Stranding's out. We're waiting on Ghost of Tsushima and Last, Last of Us Part 2 and a brand new console. So, like, the more stuff they're keeping buttoned up, the more exciting it is when they finally reveal it. Yep. I really like that approach. I think it works really well for companies like Rockstar and CD Projekt Red. You know, it's you don't, you don't uh, oversaturate with hype. Well, and if they reveal it piecemeal, I'm okay with that. I think they know... Any given day, they could drop Spider-Man news by itself and be fine. They can drop God of War news and be fine, Horizon news and be fine. They don't need to show all of those in one go. No. Whereas they did that for a couple of years, and it was amazing. But they can now own days, if not weeks of the year, by just dropping things here. And there. I mean, yeah. for better or for worse, I thought the Tom Clancy Ghost Recon Breakpoint, was it? The most recent one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. did the whole like hour-long event thing yeah. where they were like, here's a uh, trailer, here's a uh, gameplay, here's the big interview section, and it was like they lined the whole thing up, and that game wound up being mm-hmm. uh, incredibly underwhelming across the board, but was a smart that way was to a start. really good way of sort of and being like, hey, this is for people who are fans of this thing. If you're curious, come check it out. But yeah. like, it wasn't like Ubisoft is revealing something brand new. Tune in and find out what it is, and then pissing off all the Assassin's Creed fans. They yeah. were like, here's what we're talking about. Come check it out. First look. It, yeah. If... If you can't get the whole industry together at the table for the for the party this year for the new consoles, when will you? Then when will you? Yeah. Right, and it's the same thing. Um, you can't tell someone you love them at Christmas when. You then when can you? <laughs> right, uh, and the same thing I think goes for a company. And this is diagonal, but it goes for a company like GameStop. Like if they don't have this, like I think that they've been holding out for this year. And this year is kind of make it or break it for for a lot of kind of old business models that have been kicking around this industry for a long time. And I, I think that we're going to see a drastically different show next year. In fact, I think we're going to see a drastically different show this year. I for think sure. this is just the beginning. Of oh, it. yeah. I th- it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out, even if it's not as exciting of a year. Uh, yeah. Before we wrap up, and I throw it back to you guys at the other version of the show that's happening somewhere in the future, but also the past as you're listening and watching, uh, I did want to ask about the PlayStation and Xbox of it all. So as Brian, you alluded to, this really opens the door to when are they going to go now? Because Sony didn't say, we're going to be showing you stuff in February. We did, or in March. They didn't say that. We don't know, we know Xbox will be at E3, but outside of that, now until the consoles launch in presumably November is wide open. Well, that's what's, that's what's been kind of, I was thinking about this a lot over the weekend about how there have been sort of some quotes kicking around recently about Microsoft saying that there, there essentially won't be any platform-exclusive games for their next-gen console. Yeah. Current-gen will still be. Current-gen, everything will scale backwards. What a thrilling time to be a gamer across yeah. the board. Every console. And so that, that is a... 
to be fair, uh, devil's advocate, that's an impre- incredibly pro-consumer thing to do. Yes. Is to not paywall 45, 50 million people out of playing your experiences and making them exclusive to one box. On the flip side, you need reasons to go get that thing. Yeah. And so I think Sony will have those things. In fact, I think they, they there was a quote kicking around that said that they will. And so because of that, I think they have a lot more room to sort of surprise and delight, air quotes, this year. Uh, and lining up with third parties is a big thing, too. And I think we're going to see some third-party exclusive stuff. So that's what's weird. That's what's weird as hell. Yeah. Because E3 is when you announce a lot of that stuff. And so are they... Do third parties now hold back announcements that they were going to line up? Do second parties? Like, how does all that work? Yeah, does the next Assassin's Creed go at the Microsoft stage at E3, or do they go at a Sony event a month later right. or somewhere else entirely? Does yeah. does E3 end, Microsoft is king, and then Monday morning we're all kind of hungover, and Sony's like, by the way, stay to play. Yep. And we're like, what? And then they roll out everything? Like, that gives them enough time to – because I'll put it this way. If 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 everyone was ED three this year, and one of them screwed up, they would have like like we did what we saw with Microsoft, right? When Microsoft screwed up at E three, and Sony turned around, they shot a video on their phones, and they're like, "Here's how game sharing works." Yeah, they didn't have time to scramble and like be like, "Well, here's our other. We got a new E three. Like they backpedaled on a lot of stuff, uh, but that took a couple weeks. Whereas like if Microsoft goes out there. And Sony is sitting back watching the whole thing in their pajamas at home. They can roll out Monday the week after and go like, oh, that's your guys are yours is eight hundred dollars. Oh, well, here's ours. And it won't be eight hundred dollars. I'm just saying like but the, it gives them a lot of ample space and, and sort of a relaxed area to to react. Yeah. In a, in a way that you couldn't when you have y- your, your entire global staff on the ground at a trade show. What's, what's fun is I will say the. Reverse is also true because yes. that back then we were talking about that show, Xbox flubbed and then Sony responded and knocked them out and that became such a big thing. Right now, if Xbox wins and then Sony comes back with something they feel is a counterpunch to that, Xbox could come back again before the launch yeah. and still do a big inside Xbox or a big Gamescom show or something and be like, here's our even bigger push. Like they can all they can keep responding to each other in a way they weren't able to in the yeah if sony's event is in april or may and they're like we're so confident about this yeah and then xbox watches it and they're like oh haha okay here's what we have yeah like it's gonna be a long summer yeah yeah Yeah. um i mean we're still sort of the, the the thing about today is that we we didn't we didn't get here's when you're gonna get this stuff it just said you're not getting presents on christmas and we're like, okay, well, when are we getting presents? Our birthday, the anniversary, At hundreds of events. Yeah, hundreds. That's of- what they said. Our birthday, crazy. perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's very interesting to see how this is going to play out because there has been that the excitement and thrill of the two going at each other pretty close to one another. But I feel like we're going to get a lot of call and responses here. Yeah. And see how the two companies react. Does this feel cocky, Sony, to you? Yes. Okay. Oh yeah, <laughs> this is cocky, Sony. Yeah. Which really? a little bit. I feel like this is kind of this is playing it safe. This is pinching pennies. So I think it's either cocky or very scared Sony, depending on what they are not showing us. Because Mm. it's cocky Sony if they have a lot to show Mm -hmm. or they're confident in what they have to show. And they're like, we can show it whenever and make a splash. Because they showed a logo and it was massive. It was the most liked Instagram video game post of all time. They they feel like they can do that right or wrong. They feel like they can do that. Um, Or they're like, hey... All of our big games are not going to be ready for two years after the PS5. It's probably better if we don't say too much. 
I agree. And so it could be either or. It really could. I don't I, know. I had a theory that this was going to be a huge year for logos. Yeah. Just like basically companies being like, here's a logo. Like we're making this logo, which oh, is God. because well, right that, now Batman keeps giving us logo after logo. Yeah, because so, yeah. Like, I mean, if you want to, if you want to get people to buy consoles, you dangle a bunch of carrots in front of them. Yeah. And even if those things never become real, people go, I'm buying into this ecosystem with the hope that this will someday be a thing I play. Right. That's harder to do without a stage show like that doesn't i don't think that flies as well in a state of play Mm-mm. right if no, you just true you show a logo in a state of play as a as a you know animated powerpoint presentation or whatever and you're just like oh by the way we're, yeah you know we're doing this and people are gonna be like oh well that's a that's a crappy way to I don't like that. It, it worked for Nintendo after the first, the Switch launch year, because they did that at E3, and they were like, Metroid Prime 4, logo. There's yes. a new Pokemon coming. That's it. They didn't show anything, and that worked because of the mo- momentum that they had. That was also during E3, though. That was during E3, yeah. yes. They did that during that stage show. Sony, on a random August Thursday, being like, God of War 2. It's yeah. coming in 2022. Have yep. fun. And yep. then we don't hear anything else. I don't think we'll go off super well. I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. I think that, that there's I think that that's a wonderful vehicle for taking a bunch of things that don't normally gel together and putting them in one place. Yeah. Right? Like if you take Untitled Goose Game and you take Resident Evil 8 or something like that, like you can glue those things together in a state of play and you're like, "Okay, this kind of uh, this works," right? But I don't think I don't think you can just tack a logo on at the end. Yeah. So they they need they need to figure out a way to get a bunch of people to buy into this ecosystem. And Max, you don't think it's cocky Sony before we wrap up? No, I think it's um, I, I think it's mistaking kind of controlling the message with being cocky and not thinking you need to say anything. I think yeah. it's choosing your words wisely and knowing when you're going to drop information. But yeah. if any, if we learned anything, like obviously the the PS5 logo got revealed at CES. CES is a show that's not typically covered too heavily. If anything, I think the how wide that news spread tells them that mm, people pay attention and right. the way information yeah. is kind of distributed and disseminated is like, yeah. Yeah. I don't think they need to, again, shovel out money for a trade show that isn't doing what they need it to do. For sure. When they could totally just control the message. And, I mean, we're at a point where they'll be like, you know, you drop like a six-second clip of something and it's like, full trailer coming Thursday on Good Morning America. <laughs> like, they could card, they could go on Good Morning America and be like, hey, here's Crash Bandicoot, lovable yeah. horse. It's too early <laughs> for that. Big fan of the round carrots. Yeah. He's here to get the new, <laughs> the, you know, I don't Are know. Are the pants just on the back legs or the bottom I mean, look at, look at Nintendo. All they four, go on, they four, go on, uh, I said bottom four like he has multiple legs. <laughs> Uh, but no, but Nintendo always goes on Fallon to show yeah. off like new stuff, and it's like I think is, that works easier when you're like a family-friendly toy company. But if you're like, hey, wake up at six a.m., it's they can time go for on. God of War. They can go on Kimmel. I don't know. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. go on Conan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I don't he's know. got a half hour to fill. Yeah, yeah. they can, they can figure, figure it out. out. I don't yeah, know. I'm, I'm not too worried about it. I'm I'm not either. It's but I think it is going to be a fun year as a result of them not showing up at E3, even if E3 is quite not as fun to cover because I think there are going to be a lot more beats that we're going to have to. Hone in on and see what they're talking about. Do you, do you guys think the PS5 is delayed? I'm just kidding. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Not at all. But we'll find that out. If it is, uh, you can keep listening to Beyond. And of course, I'll throw it back to Max and Brian in the other recording time while I'm at Disneyland. Have fun, guys. Thank you, Jonathan. That was wonderful. I thought you did great. We were there too. We did pretty good. I thought well. we did all right as well. Different clothes. Yeah. It was yesterday. Same attitude. Yeah. Really just sleepy. 
Monday afternoon chat. That's always yeah. a fun time to record things. So if you thought the big, exciting, disappointing news of Sony skipping E3 was not to be topped this week, you're in for a real brain buster. In fact, other things are disappointing this week as well. No. Uh, we got news that the Final Fantasy VII Remake is being delayed until April 10th from its original release date of March 3rd. And Avengers, the game, is being delayed until September. I think the release date is still question marks. Yeah. First of all, are you guys surprised by this? And second of all, how do you feel? Uh, the Final Fantasy VII one doesn't strike to me. It doesn't strike me as like too crazy or dramatic, right? Like a month delay, they probably just found something that they're like, oh, we need to work on this just yeah. a little bit extra, right? Like that's. I don't think anything's like up with that game but avengers though that was supposed to come out may this year and the fact that it got delayed until september uh i think speaks a little louder in terms of like mm-hmm. what's going on behind the scenes yeah no i totally agree um what do you think janet max and i just talked for 30 minutes and that oh yeah, yeah true from, the, from the past um I agree with both those sentiments, except for the fact that I was still surprised to see Final Fantasy get delayed just because it's been delayed before, right? Like it has. Uh, or do they just take a, have a long development cycle? What's the difference between like an official delay and revealing something and then right. not talking yeah, about it for six it's, years? Because yeah. it's been like in the ether for so long, that made the delay surprising to me. But like you said, a one-month one isn't that big of a deal. And the nice thing about a one-month delay is it pretty much guarantees that it probably won't get delayed again but then also i don't know last of us kind of was like here's the date just kidding it's this one a little bit later so you kind of never know what's going to happen um the avengers one that surprised me more um but i mean honestly like i just don't see that game being very good like i was pretty underwhelmed by what i saw like it seemed super dull um wow you're not pulling any punches there (laughs) so like hulk smash i mean that i don't think that's why it's delayed necessarily but it's it seems like there's a lot going on in that world, mm-hmm. so it doesn't surprise me that it would take longer to build out than anticipated. But yeah. I was I was like kind of whatever on that game, it. and then I saw all the stuff that they revealed at New York Comic Con with like Kamala Khan, and all of a sudden, it, she injected some much mm. needed levity and uh, I, w- I would say fun into that world, which felt pretty kind of like wet. You know, it was just kind of like, oh, we got to go do this thing. And this guy's dead and it's sad. Mm-hmm. And then she was there and I'm like, OK, no, I think they're they're going to ultimately start celebrating the the crazy comic book side of things. And I think once you start seeing like alternate costumes and weapons and stuff like that, and it gets a lot more like this is what you're really doing. Right. Um, if they can lock down the gameplay, I think that game's going to kick ass. I am not at all surprised by that getting delayed. Uh, I think that that just from the from the from day one that was something they took out of the oven too soon i i can't prove this but i think that they revealed it the way they did to try to capitalize on hype around endgame yes because everyone was so excited on that and the fact that it is i mean even shooting for a uh, may release window is like that's that would be right before e3 so they would either either have it on display and have to do that thing where they're like hey the game's already out and here's our first dlc which is always kind of like a sort of a half measure as far as an announcement goes uh, but yeah, it's. I feel like that is definitely going to be one of those games that even when it comes out, it might be disappointing. The fact that they've got a whole roadmap planned and they're going to try to add more content. I think it could very well be one of those games that is great 18 months after it comes out. Yeah. And yeah. we don't give it the time of day because it kind of didn't stick the landing at launch. But maybe a few extra months will actually help it. So yeah, I totally agree. I think I, the timing is fascinating because it's bumping right up against next gen stuff, mm. which is like... I th- I really think that this gen currently, like the PS4 generation, is going to have a lot of life for a long time. Right. And I think the 100 million people who have those systems that are waiting, you know, sort of on the fence for PS5, because if we're theorizing these incredibly high, uh, you know, sort of 
price points for for launch, then I think people are going to stick with the PS4 for a mm-hmm. while. It doesn't really look like it's like on its last breaths. Um, I think that I think that th- it's going to get a lot of life there for a long time, and I think pe- a game like Avengers is going to keep that going. Uh, I think. Uh Going back to Final Fantasy, it actually just shows that Square Enix has a lot of confidence in the title because they're just like, all right, you're in April now with Cyberpunk and The Last Ooh, of Us 2. Yeah. And you're just like, damn, that's a lot of like confidence, I guess, for, for a remake of a like highly anticipated remake. But the fact that you're willing to put it there... I think shows a lot of like promise. The, well, that whole window is full of like yeah, major like releases. So major it games. was like, do you want to be again up against a really good game, another really good game, or E3? Yeah. So I feel like yeah, maybe. I mean, but to there me was that, more so room bad. in May though. I mean, there's like a 13 day window. Only they would delay event. Oh wait, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the like uh, Cyberpunk, Resident Evil 3, and Final Fantasy 7 all released in a 13 day window. Mm. That's, That's such a good problem. Yeah, it's That's insane great, though. I was really. Is it though? <laughs> I wasn't looking forward to anything in March aside from Final Fantasy. <laughs> and now I don't know what. The, now I'm just stressed about April and how I'm going to divvy up my time. My mm-hmm. birthday is in March, so there's that. Well, there's Mine that. Too. I'm looking yeah. forward to birthday? Matt's birthday. Oh, nice. uh, March 13th. Mine's the 26th. What's your social security? Uh, you know, <laughs> one. Just kidding. Don't say that. <laughs> Pretty brave to have it so close to all these other major releases. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Well, I think I'm confident. A lot of confidence. Uh, cyberpunk. Actually, were you delayed? I was a week late. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly. You're both sick in the head. This is terrible. You don't know if you were delayed or not. I, don't know if I, was, I think I came out on time. You were there on launch day. I think I was there on launch day. Did you need patches? <laughs> I think I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was really the post-launch content that counted. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's always a fun thing to discuss. It's great when things don't happen when they're supposed to. I love can, that. Can we can we right now ballpark how like in what year Final Fantasy VII will be fully released? Oh yeah, so twenty twenty five. And how many parts do you think it will be? It will be three parts. Three parts. Three parts? I don't know anything about the original. I game. think three <laughs> parts. I think twenty twenty three. Three parts. It sounds better. Yeah, that's sounds that's better. one a year. Yeah, three parts. Yeah, one a year. I, I, I like pretty that. well. Yeah, I yeah. could see that. So we had a long conversation via text this morning about this because we're weird people who drink too much coffee too early. But we were talking about how this is probably going to be the first chapter is going to be current gen, and then presumably the next chapter will also will drop next gen. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think calling it chapters is very like this is they're trying to you know yeah. recoup their losses and really get how much money they've sunk into this right. over the last better part of a decade. Yeah. But it is kind of weird to be like, ah, yes, chapter one. Now upgrade your system. Here's chapter two. Yeah, like I, I don't know if they've said straight up that this game will release entirely on PS4 yeah. between now and whenever. I think you know. I think it would have to. I know this is. I know this is a. It would be nice, podcast, but like, I think we forget that like Halo the is also a trilogy, right? There was Halo Four that came out on the. On the on the last yeah, game. but it's not Halo Chapter Two. Yeah, you know? it's like if Life is Strange. Well, it's like it's like an episodic game situation. Yeah. and no, I wonder if any there's any historical precedent to doing one that was like separated in that way. I mean, episodic and stuff isn't. That's that kind of what Max and I were talking about this morning um, with our former IGN employee Mitch, Mitch Dyer. We were on a text chain where we just yell about stuff, and we we're talking about how it's like interesting that uh, there there isn't really a precedent for this. Right. Like you, you've seen sequels, right? Like witchers and mass effects and stuff like that, uh, appear across multiple platforms. And like, if you jumped in a witcher three and you didn't play two, Mm. I don't think you'd be totally lost. I think a lot of people are doing that right now as we speak actually, but like jumping into final fantasy seven, two, on, I don't don't think they're going to market it like that. I think it's, I mean, this is the, the company that put out kingdom hearts three after, 
12 years after Kingdom Hearts 2 with yep. an entire console that basically skipped over aside from remasters and side stories. Yeah. I guess it's weird. Maybe it's just semantics. And maybe it is okay to have it be spaced out because it is kind of slicing up what used to be like one cohesive story. But yeah, like I who's mean, to say that you that it won't work we, as well? We know like, ultimately know. what's going to happen is all the chapters are going to come out, and then in twenty twenty four there's going to be the ultimate edition yeah. on the PS five, right? So you know, like which like you got to use all the parts of the buffalo, yeah, yeah. yeah. the chocobo, <laughs> whatever. Which feels like a billion years away, but also maybe that's the one holding out for. One of the things I texted Max this morning was like, I was like, I don't really have a problem with this, but that's because like I'm not really deeply connected to Final Fantasy VII. Like I started replaying the game recently because it was like eight bucks on Switch. I yeah. played the first five hours, and I was like, okay, yeah, I see where this is going. I like this. Let's 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 see what happens here. But if like you did this something like Resident Evil Four, right. one of my favorite games of all time, and you're like, oh, um, chapter one ends at the end of the castle, the village or the castle and I had to wait like a year to play the rest of the castle or something like that I would be pretty pissed off right so that's I don't know that's the weird conversation here like uh, Final Fantasy 13 is that one game or is that a trilogy because there was 13 2 and Lightning Returns or there were like there were three right. games there to kind of encompass that story and it's kind of an odd like we're talking about this like I don't know you have the original it was one movie that was on two VHS tapes and was probably it was like a TV miniseries packaged as a movie or whatever and then the new It movie was actually two movies because they had to spread it out over that. If if they were like, hey, we're making Resident Evil 4 into three games that are all like fleshed out and they have all these new details and tons of all these bells. Now whistles. you're cooking. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what they're doing. That's yeah. exactly what this is. And like, I mean, I think they were like, yes, they're trying to get their money back. But also they're like, hey, we actually really spent a ton of time on Midgar and it's now this huge big thing to explore. And it's kind of like we made an open world game. Which it is for the which first part of this game. I, I dig because on top of making their money back, which is their objective, they have to justify to us, the audience, that each one of these pieces is worth sixty dollars. Right. And so that's where it gets a little trickier because if you just took a thing that used to be sixty dollars for one thing and broke it into three individual sixty dollars things and didn't really justify that expense, mm-hmm. I would feel pretty irked. Mm-hmm. But I, I think if they do flesh those out. Um, then it's then it's a good way to go. But that said, like spreading that story across multiple years is where it gets kind of interesting to mm-hmm. me. I mean, Metal Gear Solid Five had this wonderful, uh, you know, twenty dollar demo disc called Ground Zeroes, which was not the full game at all by any means. Mm-hmm. But it was, that was, I think, Konami trying to make a few extra bucks on something they'd sunk a ton of money into. Yeah. So I don't I'm know. I'm into that though. I yeah. like, I liked how they handled that. Actually, I had I, a ton of fun with that. Yeah, I'm very excited to play Final Fantasy VII whenever I get around to it. That's going to be a busy month though. Uh, okay, so this is the this is the cruel question we keep asking. Uh, gun to the head, desert island scenario. What is the one game coming out in April this year you're going to play? Uh, Cyberpunk. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I'm playing Witcher Three right now. It's a great game, and it just really just like rekindled my like excitement for Cyberpunk. Like I was waning on over the really long uh, promotional cycle for Cyberpunk. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, but then like playing Witcher Three again just reminded me, oh wow, these are like really talented developers are pretty much at the top of their game right now who are making something that they really want to make uh yeah i don't i don't i think that's the big thing on my it's a very safe bet yeah yeah i mean i'm I'm, you go oh cyberpunk um it does seem interesting but it's more so because guides so it depends on who's holding the gun is miranda holding the gun or is it like a neutral third person i like to think miranda just pulls out like a derringer she doesn't know she doesn't know how to shoot a gun she told me when we were live streaming together, but in a way that wasn't violent. False sense of security. That's, so, weird. Yeah. That's a weird thing to bring up casually. <laughs> yeah. I know it is a gun. We were, playing, you know? we were playing Monster Prom, and the question was, like, which one of you two would, like, win in a fight or a life or death scenario or something? And we were, like, talking about who could 
like defeat the other. And she's like, I know how to shoot a gun. And I'm like, all right, it's you. <laughs> and then we kept playing the game. So yeah, but Cyberpunk does seem interesting. I also was kind of burnt out on the promotion of it because I feel like it's it, it's like super hyped, but most of the hype comes from the people that made the game, which is kind of just like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm just getting kind of a little burnt out on it. But um, the customization seems cool. And I do, I do like how you can really play it your own style and i i love to do what i call jank stealth where it's stealth until it goes wrong and then i'm just punching people in the face i love that i get shot down yeah Yeah. that's how i play every far cry game yes that's a good time um i have there's no universe where i don't crush through resident evil 3 once Mm. like i have to and then after that it's it's all cyberpunk but i have to i have to do that first i just have to i mean there's that like after after seven and two it's it's like I, I didn't even look at the new trailer because I was like, don't, I don't, I've, I've played this game already mm-hmm. back in the day. Let's, let's see what the new one does. And I saw some screen caps going around Twitter. And I'm like, oh, they put those monsters in? Okay. Yes. This is great. But yeah. I want, I want to crush through like one playthrough on hard, mm-hmm. play a nice, just phenomenal survival horror, and then move on to cyberpunk. I'm really mm-hmm. glad they're remaking those because like Resident Evil, like th- there are so many great games in that series, but they don't they're really difficult to play now. And it's yeah. just like, without these remakes, I wouldn't really be able to experience the brilliance behind the game design pieces because of some of the clunkier things. Like, in my opinion, like, I don't think I'd be able to appreciate it as much. Mm-hmm. So, like, being able to play Resident Evil 2 as my second Resident Evil game ever of, like, fully playing through it, it was just phenomenal. And I like that I can now kind of slowly go through them in a way that feels like it felt for people that played them originally, but in the modern era, which otherwise wouldn't be possible. No, yeah, it's it's so awesome. It's exactly how I, I would say like remakes should be should be done from here on out. I think there's like there's something to doing the sort of uh, the kind of blue point shadow of the colossus approach, which is taking the exact structure mm-hmm. and putting on a new coat of paint. Sometimes. I think stuff gets lost in the process, like it did in that game. Um, but there's also like, there's like very, very uh, attractive clothes that are horribly uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, this isn't fun to work at all. Like, um, and so I'm glad we didn't just get like an up-res version of that because we got that with remake, yeah. and that's a phenomenal mm-hmm. game, and I love it. But also, like, I will completely take a fully remade Re- Resident Evil Two, Resident Evil Three style engine version of remake Code Veronica. And eventually four. Really quick, you know what remakes are kind of like? Um, when I, I used to, my background's in um, literature, and we used to talk about when you translate poetry from other languages, mm-hmm. and that you can't really translate it word for word because, well, one translation wouldn't make sense because it's not how translations work. But you also have the goal is not to convey what's written. The goal is to capture the essence of what the writer was going for. And I feel like a good remake does that. It's not just a, I'm trying to convey what's said. I'm trying to convey the spirit of what was communicated. I really like that. Yeah. The mechanical translation. Mm-hmm. That's also really funny from like perspective of our industry, because the amount of times where we will hear like a vaguely mistranslated quote from a Japanese dev <laughs> and run with it. And it'll be like, Miyamoto says he hates Halo. This or, game's part of a franchise. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, right. Ko- Kojima said he made an there. entire game himself. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's either really excited or really afraid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but no, I think there's like, I, I like that we're getting remakes. It's, it's very cool. I, I'm excited about it. I'm also like, I'm. it took me until like, I don't know, kind of late in this year to play RE2. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like, I think I was traveling for that. And I feel like with the amount of other stuff that's happening in March, I totally forgot RE3 is coming out in April. It's April, right? It's April. Yeah. Week before. Okay. So it's, okay. Yeah. That's a, it's like every week there's something. It's yeah. a big month. Okay. Yeah. So that's like springtime, November, basically. Mm-hmm. Great. Awesome. 
okay, so one thing that happened this week that's actually really fun is uh, PlayStation put out a little app that lets you basically track your your stats for how much PlayStation gaming you were doing this year. Uh, and it was uh, a lot of people went to it, and the server was down for some people, so it was kind of difficult to pull data on it. But uh, it's kind of neat to kind of get get the sort of wrap up of what you were doing. Uh, I was amazed to find out that apparently I spent. 1,234 hours playing video games, which cannot be right. No. There's that's no little, way that's right. That's a fake number, right? That's like a I'm happy, though, because there's no way that people can call me a fake casual when I've got the hard <laughs> data right there. Sony said it themselves. That's right. That's like 52 days that I spent gaming. I think well, I think that's like eighty percent sleep mode, Netflix and <laughs> Disney Plus. Probably there's eight hours or ten or but twelve hours of Mando in there. Even if we claim that that's what it is, we all would also fall subject to that. So it, it still is a ridiculous number. Yeah, sounds like the system's broken. Mm. I'll tell <laughs> you one system that's not broken, which is the Rescue Rangers seasons one and two, which I keep binge watching backwards and forwards. I got to find out what those weird little mice are up to. <laughs> Uh, but no, it said my top three games were Judgment, Death Stranding, and Yakuza Kiwami 2, and that I'm an action-adventure gamer, which is not that surprising. Uh, did you guys get... Matt, you pulled yours. Yeah, yeah, I got mine. Uh, so I clocked in a, I think, respectable 172 hours on my PS4. Uh, I did... My top three were Sekiro, number one, Resident Evil 2, and then Control. Uh, mm. And my top genre was action-adventure. So, mm. yeah. Hmm. James, oh, did you were you able to pull yours? I was, did you, were you gonna... No, I didn't. I want to say my most played game of the year was Sekiro, though. But you on PS4. That. that checks out. PlayStation never told you. Well, you feel it in your heart, though. So I feel it in my heart. That's something. Yeah. The real data. Um, mine was uh, my most. My total hours were 120. I had to do the math because I cropped it funny. Um, I actually only played like four games on PlayStation last year. I mainly play There's my third door. party. <laughs> I know. Door. I mainly play my third-party stuff on Xbox or Switch because of the portability. Um, the games were Days Gone at 82 hours because I worked on the guide for it. That's right. Yes. Uh, Crash Team Racing Nitro Fuel, 24 hours because I wrote the review for it. Uh, and Jack and Daxter, The Precursor Legacy, 14 hours because uh, this is very on-brand. Because you're you. <laughs> yes. Nice. Um, I think the fourth game was Resident Evil 2, by the way. I wish it showed you like the full breakdown. Yeah. To be like, yeah. you spent seven minutes playing Especially Modern because, Warfare. Like, <laughs> like, wow. I didn't even have that many games that it was just one <laughs> one away. There was definitely a couple PS Plus games I played for seven minutes. Right. Yeah. Not naming names. Nor no. can I remember them, but I like the whole the whole thing kind of like funnels down into basically trying to sell you on PlayStation Plus, mm-hmm. where it's like you go to the bottom and it's like you downloaded one, two, three, four, five, nine games off of PlayStation Plus, and I'm like, you put out two every month. That's not good stats, buddy. <laughs> yeah. And it's like you played one hour of online multiplayer, and I'm like, why do I pay for this? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it auto renews. Yeah, right. Oh, what do you know? Uh, but that's totally fun. So if you are, uh, you know, if you like to play your PlayStation as well, why don't you hop over there and do the wrap up stats, and then go, uh, you know, argue with people in our Facebook group, which is facebook.com/group/podcastbeyond. Speaking of which, uh, one of our members over there, Dan Cool, has been chipping away in dreams making PlayStation fives. Uh, he made a bunch of concepts of sort of the PS five based on kind of reinterpreting the the dev kit we saw, which may be real, may maybe not, who knows, and basically like. I don't know, industrial designing the hell out of it. Mm. And it's really cool to see. So 
it's it's simultaneously like in, incredible to see that he built this and also an excellent sort of ad for dreams. Yeah. Because it's it's I, I've seen it do large sweeping landscapes and intricate character models and stuff like yeah. that. But to get into the nitty gritty of like the way he made HDMI ports look yeah. real as hell, I'm just like, okay, first of all, you're incredibly talented, Dan. Secondly, Dreams is a kick ass software. Um, I, what I love about Dan's concept art for the PS5, which you should absolutely go check out, uh, Jonathan tweeted it out too, is that he specifically went for kind of like a high concept futuristic sci-fi thing, whereas the trend is to kind of make non-plussed Bleak. black boxes, yeah. you know? Matte, flat. Yeah. Flat it, he made the kind of thing that you would be like really excited to open up, but also looks – it looks like like – the, I'm a huge fan of like you know Doug Chang, Ralph McQuarrie concept art stuff, where it's like so far removed of what actually becomes the real thing. But that's what's so fun about it is it's like a fully 3D rendered of something that uh, is absolutely not what we'll get, and we will probably get something much more boring, which is kind of a yeah. Bummer. I, I love this design. I think it's absolutely gorgeous. I love that even though it does have personality to it. So the big piece of this, uh, once again, definitely look it up. Like Brian said, it incorporates that V um, and kind of has like it lit up with blue, though it showed other um, possible lighting as well. Um, But I just love that it can easily like go into your like setup and not like stick out like super crazy, but Mm -hmm. still like looks interesting. Um, I'm really, really against, even though I, you know, mentioned that I play a lot of Xbox games and I, and I do want the Series X because I like Xbox and I like Game Pass. Um, I hate boring consoles. I absolutely hate them. They're like the bane of my existence. Um, I think they're ugly and uninspired. And the thing is, like, I know, generally speaking, we like having tech that blends in. But that's because I don't have any emotional connection to other pieces of technology I have. Minus my iPad. I love my iPad. <laughs> but um, I'm not like, I don't get nostalgic for the model of TV I owned when I was in college. Like, it was just the thing I had. Mm-hmm. I don't get, like, I'm not emotional over, like, the old CD player I had, even though I'm a big fan of physical media and I love CDs. But, like, I do have, like, a visceral feeling when I look at the PS2, when I think about the PS3. And, like, I want to be able to look back and have that connection not only be meaningful but also like oh this is a cool design like this is yep. the, this is the kind of console i'm gonna look we're gonna be looking back on it we're gonna do reflections like when you I mean, it's a, follow it's, games like that like it's such a big deal and i'm like i want it to look freaking cool you want to have like an identity it's yes. I, I think it's the more the more personality a, a, a device has the more people will be attached to it but also the more will be like I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not touching that. One cool thing, too, I think it will be really interesting if Sony does kind of zag and goes for something a little bit more standout-ish because the Series X, it's bland, and that's what it has going for it, but it also has it going against it. And I think it'll be interesting to see if they do go the other direction. People might be like, oh, wow, like the PS5 looks really good, and the Xbox Series X looks like an Alexa. You know? mm-hmm. two, two other things, too, that I really dig about this design. Uh, very pronounced mm-hmm. on and reset or mm. eject yeah. buttons. Yes. Yes. Those physical buttons. Like, oh, that and also static thing is the way of the past. The worst. Four face USB ports. Yes. Four. Which I, it's probably a bit much. It feels almost like N64-ish. Yeah. But it's also, you'll, you'll never run out. You can plug so much crap. You can plug your phone in there, your iPad, a, a bunch of stuff. A little Get this big beast to power everything you own. You guys want to, here's the funny thing, right? Like, in Sony's like product line, right? There, the PS4 might be the most boring, right? You see, they're like mm-hmm. high-end MP3 players. Those things are like like gold orange with like s- giant screws like sticking out on the side, right? Mm-hmm. And they're, Remember the psych line? Yeah, yeah right. Like the- and they're like their phones are like also weird. They're like extra long instead of like thick 
also. Yeah. You know, like they have weird product lines, so, like models. Devil's them. Advocate, I've always I've always enjoyed the PS4 base design. I think that the Pro design was a little iterative. <laughs> For I mean, I, very iterative. Yeah. Like it was literally just an extra step on the ladder. <laughs> um, but they were able to do some super interesting stuff with special edition versions of that console, mm-hmm. uh, changing the the colorways and even like chrome plating and stuff like that. Like there's a couple of them that are like that really stick out as like really fantastic. Like the the white ones look like are it's a stunning piece of tech. Yeah. So there's a white mock up too in the white mm-hmm. consoles are always. So nice, yeah. but then you go and you touch them with your hands, and you get the dirt. You've been eating soup Smudge. with no spoon. It's it gets all. Why over are you it. eating you soup like you're living in a medieval times? Max has a lot of money on gaming. You don't like soup. Max has a lot of Sunday hand soups. <laughs> I like a good thick pea soup. It's a good time. Yeah. He goes, put uh, your hand right, right in the there. pot. Yeah, yeah. It's like just no, it warms up your hands. You get the food in your mouth faster. It's great. Good times. Throw pennies in it. Make wishes. Yeah, cool. it's great. Uh, but no. Copper taste. <laughs> anyway, going back to the whole console discussion, the LED thing. I was thinking about this. Uh, obviously, having LEDs that change color based on whatever you're doing is like old hat for PC gamers. Uh, it's also old hat for like I don't know if you bought a smart light bulb. Like, I, there's like you can you can do custom lighting on all. Like my my wife bought a new car recently, and it's like it's got mood lighting mm-hmm. where you can go in the settings and be like, I would like to have purple sex lights on when I'm. Nice. You know, wow. getting Carl's Jr. drive-through <laughs> or whatever, and it's—it blows my mind that we don't have that with gaming. Like, it's—it seems like a very obvious thing. Like, we can get you know multicolored controllers. The whole thing is supposed mm-hmm. to be a fun machine, but we have like—I don't know. It's like the the PlayStation has like either a blue light or a white light or an orange or red light. You know, depending on you know whether or not it's working or if it's like I, I would love it if we could just <laughs> change the color scheme maybe it's got some light LEDs in the back that light up the inside of your console like hey the the Xbox 360 used to turn red yeah <laughs> it's christmas time time for a new Xbox 360 <laughs> i'll well, put was, the old one in a coffin and mail it you out you want to talk about clear communication you knew exactly what was yeah, going was on wrong. There. like oh this isn't supposed to happen yeah uh, one thing that's like a dude walking in with a black eye uh, you're like what black, went wrong one thing with the dev kits right like i loved how the the v was there cuz that's the roman numeral for 5 and i'm like i was like that's the first thing that's going in the official like product launch but now i'm kind of like after seeing this mock up i'm like actually you know they could probably keep v is for video games yeah they could probably keep a v in there actually, and like it wouldn't look bad at all it's that sexy v that lucy kept talking about for that now one episode. I'm wor- now i'm worried that i might be wrong like i'm <laughs> glad i didn't go out and be like i'll eat my hat if the playstation 5 has a v on it and then now i'm glad i didn't say that i hope they go like full just greco-roman just make it look like a little like a little coliseum mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just make it just go bonkers with it. It. there's a, little, a game like, like that in dreams that, you can just, that teaches like, you the different i'm so excited colors. to see what this thing looks like like i know there's that like bitter jaded part of everyone who's like well i'm just gonna buy it and shove it in my entertainment center anyway but you still have to see it all the time. Yeah. I have like I have like clear like they're kind of like I don't know what are they, smoked glass whatever mm-hmm. you call it windows in my entertainment center. So I always have like a glimpse of what's in there, and I I love to know that there's like an awesome looking thing. I was so damn bored when I opened up my Wii U mm-hmm. and looked at the actual console itself. That system had a lot of, lot of problems, but when people think about that system fondly, they talk about the tablet. Yeah. They, the the console itself was this hideous gray cinder block. You know, they're the black box, basically. So we've seen, like, so s- since the PlayStation 2, PlayStations have effectively been, like, black obelisks. Mm. Like, they've they've kind of always just, they've you know, sometimes they're a little, they look like a George Foreman grill. Sometimes they have, like, a weird sliding thing on top. Other times they look like a big cake. But for the most part, they are just black hunks of plastic. And it's been that way since the original PlayStation, which turned 25 last month. What if... They go back to that wonderful gray mm. and that rainbow logo and modernize it and celebrate the 
original PlayStation. Yeah. Like, how cool would that be to kind of like make it stand out among? I mean, even even the the Switch has like a you know concrete gray, and then the Xbox is just a box. I mean, I could gray is not really like hot in the streets, but I could see them doing like a gunmetal or you like call a, it, you know you call it like a moon a moonlight slate or something, <laughs> or do like the uh, like the the like sort of that MacBook metal look. You know, I think there's a way to ooh right. Because yeah. that looks sleek, and it That's also good. looks like it's worth the money. Space Anodized gray. aluminum, space gray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Although space gray is, I think, uh, trademarked by Apple, so they'd have to call it galaxy gray. Perfect. Mm. We've done Which it. Which is trademarked by Samsung. Great. Yeah. What have we done? I think most people want they want a black box. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, if only we could have cool personality things. <clears throat> I don't know. I hope we get faceplates or something. That would be fun. Uh, let's talk quickly about what we're playing. Um, Brian, you have not shut up about Remnant from the Ashes. Yeah, I'm really into this game. I'm up to the final boss, and I don't want it to end, so I think I'm going to go back and and grind a bunch of areas. Uh, it's it's very Soulsborne-ish, but with guns. That's my pitch. I talked about it briefly on the show, but to get a little deeper into it, it has some of the my favorite sort of like dodge-rolling shooting mechanics of any game I've played recently. It's like incredibly snappy. It is fun as hell it is jam-packed with bosses every time i'm like i'm done with the boss they throw another giant horrible beast at me mm-hmm. and i spend an entire morning cursing at my tv and then i beat it and i feel great and i do it again um there are like 20 different skill trees that you can unlock and max out um you're all these different weapons that you can upgrade there's like a loot system where you can find cool stuff in the world and put it towards your guns and armor and get cooler and cooler stuff uh it it's been on sale on playstation and it's free or uh, free air quotes on game pass right now so please go check it out if you're like me and you're looking forward to more and more like you're, you can't wait to play stuff like neo 2 and the you know the, the from soft George R. R. Martin game, whatever, whatever they're working on, you're still, you know, you're still crushing through Sekiro. If you love those games, um, check this one out. After this, I think I'm going to go and jump into uh, Surge Two, just because I heard awesome things, and I'm on like kind of a Soulsborne kick. So if you're listening to the show and there's a bunch of Soulsborne games that you're playing that are kind of slept on, hit me up because I want to play them. This Wait. is going to be a year for that. Wait, Janet, what about you? Um, I am working on playing games that are well acclaimed, but that I never got around to playing. So what I basically did at the beginning of, or the end of last year, is I looked at IGN's top 100 games list, which you guys should check out, and I looked at how many of those games I had played, and then I looked at how many I hadn't played, and then I made a list of, like, 22 games to play through this year. Um, I don't need to complete them, but I want to sink at least five hours into them. So that's wow. There's really, there's not a lot coming out this year, so that's a good thing. Oh, no. Thing I think that, I, have, yeah. I have the time. The year. But it's slowly... Cool. You don't have to play a lot of games for work or anything. Slowly, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get there. Um, so I am playing Batman Return to Arkham uh, via Game Pass, so I'm starting with Arkham City, and I'm also playing Minecraft, because I never played Minecraft. Oh, interesting. Are you creating or just going through survival mode stuff? Um, I am creating... Like, I'm, I'm, I literally don't know the game that well, but like... to society I, Are monsters killing you? Yes. Okay, so you're yeah. playing survival. I, yeah, I, I wanted to get what I felt was like the most traditional Minecraft experience. And I feel like I totally respect that they have a creative mode because I think that's awesome. But yeah. I'm like, I kind of want to feel like what people felt closer to the launch of the game. So I started building stuff. Um, no, that's was, like the, you, you can still create yeah. in survival mode, but it's, a, right, it's yeah, sort yeah. of like being a construction worker that keeps getting attacked by dogs. No, and I love it. It's, it's actually like a horrifying game. And um, I'm very over the top when I uh, play games for fun, like at home. So like I literally am screaming in that game all the time. Um, and it's it's just fun having like those so, like it's one of my favorite things in games is when I'm surprised. And there are a lot of like surprising moments in Minecraft. Like I suffocated in a wall the other day. Mm-hmm. I crafted my first painting and I put it on the wall and it was 
absolutely hideous. And I'm like, I love this painting. Um, I I'm you, currently building a museum. There's like little sheep and animals you, to kill. You don't, you're not, you don't need like Minecraft tips from me or anyone because you'll, you'll find them naturally. They're <laughs> everywhere now. But if you take the painting down and put another one up, it'll create a different one. Yeah, I noticed that, which okay. is really cool. I like so that a lot. If you hate the painting, you can cycle. I want, I'm going to make a museum of hideous paintings, and I'm very excited about it. Um, but yeah, like that, that game's super fun very late take but i've been enjoying that it's not my genre either so it's been cool getting that perspective i dig that you're doing this i i mean i've done this with movies a bunch of times mm-hmm. um which is far easier because movies are generally an hour and you know a half. how you beat a movie is you sit down for two and a half hours yeah you just look one direction Honestly, yeah you don't don't tough, sleep tougher in the age of phones yeah, yeah. that's true don't yeah. don't cheat i can only do that that's in true. the theater where i'm like really zoned in yeah mm-hmm. yeah but yeah uh, um, but no, I, I commend you for doing that. That's awesome. Thanks. There's, I Batman's think it's, it's Batman is a good time. Thanks Catwoman too. is the best thing in that game. Also, like I'm oh, very man, early yeah. in. I'm like mm. fif- I'm 15% done according to like the in-game menu. Um, I still need to go to find Mr. Freeze to find the anecdote. I don't know what happens. Don't tell me. But it's a very thrilling anecdote. He <laughs> it's a funny thing anecdote. that happened to a friend yeah. of his. Yeah, you guys get the general picture. Um, but. Yeah, that's been super fun, um, and it's just been interesting seeing like what holds up and what doesn't. Uh, I just want to you know learn more about the games I missed out on, and from a meaner perspective, the more games I know on the top 100 list, the more I can remove games I don't think should be on there and put in games I want on there. Powerful. So that's right. You just, yeah. you just go into the CMS and just delete. I'm stuff. like, I cannot say this <laughs> you game can fire is bad. People lock them out. Yeah, passwords. That is true, but it's less. It's it's less of a victory that way. Mm. Nice. So. No, that is the ultimate game hack. Is that playing a game gives you the right to tell other people that it sucks. Yeah, <laughs> technically. It's like, I want my money back in this breakfast. It's like, well, you ate the whole thing. And it's like, exactly. I demand <laughs> my full money back. Uh, Matt, what are you playing these days? Uh, I, I said this earlier in the episode, but I am pl- replaying The Witcher 3. Uh, because I saw The Witcher on Netflix, I'm one of those people who like shot up that scene. Oh, Thank so you, by tempting. the way. Uh, the God's been doing I played great. on PS4. Um, it's great. Uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm having a great time. Uh, did, did you start from scratch? Or yeah, start okay. straight from the beginning. No, none of that like jumped straight into DLC or anything like that. Right from the beginning, and it's great. And like I, like I love how goofy it is, right? Because it's like it's grim, dark, and being that like it's so much funnier than it has any right. Right, to make. exactly. Like it takes place during a civil war, and you see that like des- destruction and desolation around everywhere. But there's also just scenes of like immense hilarity and like Geralt is not like a serious dude right he just doesn't have emotions because like that's his mutation or whatever I mean I love his funny guy his his, like character is he's a it's pretty much a straight man in like Mm -hmm. a completely ludicrous fantasy scenario my favorite there was a there's a uh, a side quest where you have to help a uh, armor like a blacksmith like get his iron or whatever and then like he makes all these great swords and Geralt is like if I help you, could I, uh, you know, get a little sword action maybe and a little extra, right? And he puts his, like, hand behind his back and he's doing, like, this thing with his foot. And I thought it was the funniest thing, right? And so he's like a, he's like a goofy dude, surprisingly. And it's he's, just, he's, a, he's a woodsman. He's, yeah. a, he's a folk hero. Yeah. Um, yeah, I burned through that Netflix show, too, and I'm like, I'm very, very tempted to jump back into Witcher. But I'm like, there's other things I should do. I've done that before. Mm-hmm. But... I got my wife playing it on Switch, and she's very excited. And she's asking me all these questions. She's like, "What do I do here? Do I need to? Do I need this fishing pole? Should I? Do I have? A, should I carry these things? Should I steal this ghost or what? You know what?" And I'm like, <laughs> "I played this five years ago. I have no idea. I don't remember anything. I, I know you fight a griffin, mm-hmm. and then you go on the road, or yeah. I don't know. You go for a walk. The I don't know where yes. Yennefer is. Always there. steal the ghost. Yeah, <laughs> do whatever. Do yeah. That's honest, honestly the best advice for The Witcher Three is just agree to things. So something I love in that game is how much. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. Like just see where this goes. Yeah, like, like follow yeah. the. You know, just get get lost. You yeah. know, figure it out. Uh, but how much that game relies on like 
Like there's a lot of kind of adventure game logic mm-hmm. in there and a lot of kind of like puzzle stuff where like it'll quiz you on things that are happening in the world. It requires you to actually not just be good at the stats and the combat and stuff, but mm-hmm. to pay attention to what's happening around you. And like, I'm, I'm so excited to see what cyberpunk does with that. One thing I remember hearing about cyberpunk, like one of the first details they revealed is that they have like, you can get uh, translator chips and so you'll run into somebody who's like, you know, uh, uh, speaking Spanish or something. And if you speak Spanish, cool, you will understand what they're saying. But if you don't, you have to buy an upgrade so that you get subtitles. <laughs> and if you don't buy that, you can buy like a crappy one. So you get like broken translation. Oh. So it's like, do you want to use like an actual like translator mm-hmm. or do you want to use like Google Translate and hope for the wow. best? That's great. And I don't know if they're going to actually deliver on that, but I'm so, so hoping that's the case. Mm-hmm. I wonder uh, if you could still get through that if you just know the language in real life. That would be I th- cool. I, think I don't know if there's like dialogue options that wouldn't be open to you if you don't understand it, but... God, I hope that game doesn't get delayed. Yeah, I don't think it will. I think they're on top of it. Knockwood. We all did I'm that. Okay. Who's there? Uh, anyway, uh, Janet, my, do you have to run out the door right now? I do. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you can follow Janet. She's Gamonysis on Twitter. Close enough. Game Close enough. Game O-N-Y-S-U-S on Twitter and everything else. There it is. And if you get stuck in a game, go check out the guides. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bye, Janet. Thanks for joining us. Okay, uh, real quick before we go, here's a cool one. Uh, hello and beyond. My name is. Kis- oh wait, hold on. Let me do the thing. There it is. That weird little nostalgic harmonica. Okay, memory card is of course. Yeah, is of course the segment where we have people write in with their fondest PlayStation memories. Like the time we had a better PlayStation show host who was better introducing segments and whatnot. Uh, You can send your memory cards to beyond at at IGN.com and use the memory card in the headline. But in the meantime, here's one from Cassandra. Hello and beyond. My name is Cassandra and I hail from Philadelphia. There are many things that come to mind when I think of PlayStation. However, there was nothing like watching my mom play the Tomb Raider series before my eyes, even though I would get upset and cry when she would skip over the cutscenes in the game, even if she was on her 100th run. I would still beg to watch the cutscenes. She would buy Spyro for me to enjoy as a kid, but I always cherished watching her play Tomb Raider. Other than that, I didn't game much. She was a single mom, and games were just not a priority. I played when I could at friends' houses and summer camps. She eventually got more games from eBay, including PS2 and Tomb Raider, Angel of Darkness with it. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to skip over a bunch here. Uh, things changed when I saw a trailer on TV for The Last of Us. It looked amazing, and I had to watch it. I began watching YouTube videos of gaming, walkthroughs, long to play it. Money was not an option. However, I was just glad to be engaged in gaming again. Fast forward to the age of 22. Finally saved enough for a PS4. The first games I bought was Until Dawn and the Tomb Raider Definitive Edition. It felt so good and gratifying to play the game that I fell in love with from the start on the only console I had come to know and love. I texted my mom as soon as I finished and she said, you'll have to teach me how to play. I just hope she knows I'm not skipping cutscenes, even on my 100th run. Um, I love this for a couple of things. First of all, um, I think it's very easy to forget exactly how much of a luxury video games are. Uh, I also grew up with a single mom and money was tight, so we didn't have a ton of video games. And a lot of the gaming I did was at friends' houses. And there is something so incredibly special about that first time that you like shell out your adult money and bring home a console. And you're like, this is mine. I get to play this. This is, this is my yep. own thing. Yeah. Uh, but also the fact that a 22-year-old having fond memories of her mom playing Tomb Raider and then going out and getting the modern Tomb Raider is sort of like... We talk about console generations mm-hmm. as being... You know, a generational yeah, thing, yeah. but it's it kind of blew my mind that like, oh wow, yeah, they have these old games have been around for a cool minute. 
Yeah, that's so foreign to me because like my dad helped me set up my NES because I'm old and he fought like Glass Joe and Punch Out and lost and me and my brother made fun of him and he never played video games again. <laughs> and then like one time I was playing Assassin's Creed, the one in Rome, mm-hmm. and my mom came downstairs and I was like, check it out, Italy. You from there? And I'm like, you like it? And she's like, it's beautiful. And then like I stabbed a guy and she was like, that's horrible. And yeah. she walked away. So that I, I didn't have parents that played video games. So when I hear stories like this, it's like, I perk my ears up because I'm like, oh, man, that's so interesting to me. I'm so jealous. Yeah. Like, I'll try to show my mom games to be like, like I always want to be like, see, mom, they're not just about stabbing <laughs> the neck or shooting the man in the head. And yeah. it's, you know, but then I'll show her like, I'll be like, hey, check it out. Here's like, you know, Red Dead Redemption. It looks like an Albert Bierstadt painting. It's this incredible sprawling vista with a live and exact, you know, existing ecosystem that's persistent. And she's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, that's it? You don't care? Yeah. Like, what? What did they have to do? What, like, what, <laughs> what did the games have to do to impress you? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that was a very sweet little uh, memory card. That's I really nice, like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, that's that's about it. That's the show. We've gone uh, and done a, a pretty good sized show this week. Oh, there's one thing I meant to plug that I forgot because I didn't read the notes properly. Mm. Uh, Jonathan, we miss you. Come back, please. Come back soon. Come back from the Rat Park. Um, <laughs> we did an unboxing of that weird little um, the the back button. It, attachment for the PS4 Yay. controller. It's one of the weirdest little peripherals I've seen in quite some time. I don't even know what you call it. It's like an upgrade for it a controller. It has a technical name. It's like the back paddle accessory attachment. There's there. It is one of those things I've I've heard it said properly a dozen times, and it doesn't it doesn't stick. Yeah, because it feels like an almost unnatural thing. It's like we got wheels for your cat. You're like what? <laughs> I didn't. It didn't need that. I guess it could need that maybe. Um, but yeah, it's a very it's the strangest thing because it's this weird hybrid of like analog and digital almost. Yeah, like you plug it in, and I was asking Dornbush, and he he might need to poke around in menus or something. But there's nothing in the PlayStation firmware that acknowledges that this thing exists. Mm. It's basically just remapping an existing button to this. Like it, it feels kind of illegal. Like right. it feels. Like I hope the, I hope they patch that because I remember where the um the Bluetooth headphones had like a standalone app yeah. where you could go in and like micro fine tune settings that were different than what you could get in the regular one. So that'd be really cool if they did that. Uh, talking to him was interesting because he's finding a lot of stuff like that's sort of it's it's very quality of life, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's like, oh, to call your bird in Assassin's Creed, you had it up on the D pad, but it makes more sense to have it back here. Right. And so I lo- I love stuff like that. Xbox has been doing this for years on their on their high end controllers. This is a nice stopgap, and it's also a good, hopefully, commercial for what the PS5 DualShock Five will be able to do. I uh, I already like I. I pre-ordered mine because I'm playing The Witcher. And I do this with uh, all the Soulsborne game too. But you know how you have to hold down X to run? Yeah. You hold down X and you put the joystick forward. But you also have to navigate the camera in those games, right? So I do the claw, right? I do Mm. the index finger on X forward. And then I use my thumb to to move around the camera. I want to map the X button also to the down paddle. That way I don't have to claw anymore. I can just hold it down and then move, use my free thumb to... uh, not claw anymore. <laughs> That's right. I, honestly, the fact that we're able to play as many games as we are with these like existing buttons, mm-hmm. and they're still like, oh, and, and this is with like, I mean, an extremely ableist statement to make, but there's right. plenty of people out there who are better at games than me using mm-hmm. all sorts of modified control setups. So I don't know. More options is always good. Oh, yeah. I mean, if it looks like we're heading towards a future where we we will use every finger to play video games, because <laughs> right now we get these fat danglers that hang out in the back and don't do any work. The back paddle. Put those boys to work. Accessory. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, get, Jonathan, those, get those pinkies out there hustling. <laughs> Jonathan was saying he he was he was using it for basically he basically moved the like two of the R buttons just back so that he can just use like. 
like I, I do this too where I'm like I, I know you're supposed to put like two on the top mm-hmm. on each on R1 and R2 and L2 R1 whatever I just don't. I'll just be like, I'll shift. Which I I keep thinking of that line from the first Fast and Furious where like Vin Diesel accuses Paul Walker of granny shifting, and I don't know what that is, but I think that's where it's like you like have to you waste time moving your finger back and forth between buttons, and I'm like, well, I should just like a real gamer put my fingers right. up here, yep. but then inevitably I'm like, no, they're going back here now. Mm-hmm. I don't want them. It's like it's driving. You don't put your foot on the gas and the brake at the same time. You. What if you know? did? <laughs> that's dangerous you, should, you shouldn't <laughs> you get cool smoke effects out of the back of your car one of your feet shouldn't be doing anything right but just ha- kind of hanging out falling asleep being chill yeah but it would be, cool i mean it, you know, it makes more sense to be like what if you did you know you, I, don't, I don't know anyway no they've actually done tests on that like they used there were cars that had gas and brake for left and right mm-hmm. and they realized that people like in sort of like accident or terror situations would jam on the gas out of reflex huh mm-hmm. So I don't know why. It's so that. it's good that they're adding more buttons to the game so that we get worse at them. Yes. Yeah. So we have more things to press in a panic when a phantasm comes lurching at us out of the caverns. Yeah, yeah. That, is, that is one one take. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, this has been Beyond Episode 626. A uh, huge thank you to Matt and Janet, who has since departed to go have a meeting with Miranda, who hopefully is not packing heat. Um, you can find us all on Twitter. I'm Max Scoville. Brian is Agent Bizzle. Matt is Law of TD. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, no yeah. underscores it's on, the, it's on the bottom. Oh, yeah. That's right. Wait. Hold yeah. on. Wait. I'm going to do it. Did it work? I think I did it. There it is. There I it see is. it. Yeah. 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 It is. Uh, and shout out to Red, who's been manning the control room over here. Thanks, Red. Uh, and, yeah, we'll be back next week. Uh, I just got a code for Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, which hopefully I will put over 9,000 hours into. Hey. Little Dragon Ball Z reference. You also unboxed the collector's edition with the big dinosaur. Yeah, that video's going up soon. Going up very soon. Uh, I think we got copies for that late, but we'll get reviews up whenever we can and talk about it whenever we can. Uh, and on that note, uh, thank you all for listening, watching, and beyond. 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 Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays, available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L.